Good evening. I am so excited to be continuing our series on habits of spiritual growth. And tonight I get to talk about the power and privilege of prayer. And I'll be honest, when Kelly first approached me this summer, I thought I am not the woman for the job. And it's not that I don't believe in the power and the privilege of prayer, but it's just something my whole Christian life I have struggled with. And so if you're in the same boat, please don't look at me as someone who's mastered this discipline by any means. I am just a sister in the struggle. And so I've had the opportunity to do some research to prepare for this talk and to really delve deep into scripture. And it has so much to say about prayer. So I'm really excited to share with you some of the things that have just stuck out to me as I prepared for this talk. So, one of the struggles that I certainly have had with prayer is that I become so easily distracted. And I've often wondered how it serves a purpose in God's sovereign plan. And I've also wrestled, as I'm sure many of you have, with the disappointment of seemingly unanswered prayers. So I truly believe that prayer can transform our lives if we exercise it regularly. So tonight I'd like to explore together why prayer is so important, how the Bible speaks to the obstacles we face when trying to pray, and also to discuss some practical steps we can take to increase our time and delight in prayer. So first off, let's just define prayer. What is it? So if you were to Google prayer, you would find a myriad of different definitions. But in its most simple form, prayer is simply having a conversation with God. We can talk to God silently in our minds. We can share our needs audibly. And, or we can record our conversations with God on paper. Our prayers can be a private dialogue with God, or they can be a corporate exercise with others. And because prayer is a conversation and not a monologue, both parties need the time and the space to speak in order for true communication to occur. We've all had conversations with someone who talked a lot about what was going on in her life, but never really invited you to do the same. And you leave the interaction feeling a little bit dissatisfied because true relationship has not occurred. And the same dynamic applies to prayer. If we get into the habit of always talking and never listening to God, we never get to know his character better or learn from his infinite wisdom. So if prayer is one of those disciplines, is it one of those disciplines that we can take or leave depending on our personality or season of life? Is it really that big of a deal? Well, if you consider that Jesus, who had perfect communion with his Father, spent a sizable percentage of his time and effort devoted to prayer, certainly something worth considering. So prayer was established by God clear back in the Garden of Eden. After they had eaten of the forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and God spoke audibly to them. 
What was interesting is that their response was not one of utter shock that God was conversing with them. And that that fact alone indicates that this was common practice. From the very beginning, the king of the universe chose to commune with his creatures through conversation. It was just part of the natural rhythm that he established way back at the beginning. So a form of the word pray is included over 300 times, both in the Old and New Testaments. And that doesn't even include the times when there are references to people speaking to God, but it's not actually referred to as prayer. Though we learn about God through his word, through creation, through other means, we build a relationship with him through consistent and focused times of prayer. And we understand this practically. We can know a lot about, say, a celebrity or a political figure, but we don't really know them, and they don't really know us, because we don't have regular conversation with them. And that's the same way with God. If we truly want to know him, we have to talk to him. There is no shortcut. And further, God commands us to pray. In fact, it is an assumed aspect of the believer's life. Jesus used the phrase several times when speaking to his disciples, when you pray. It was not if, but when. He then describes the times it is appropriate to petition God in prayer. We are to pray when we are alone. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Matthew 6, 6. We are to pray for the salvation of others. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Matthew 9, 38. We are to pray when we face temptation. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26, 41. We are to even pray for those who have mistreated us. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Luke 6, 26. We are to pray when we are facing physical or spiritual weakness. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Luke 22, 32. And Jesus' Sermon on the Mount teaches us to pray for God's will to be done, for physical provision, for forgiveness, and for protection. Matthew 6. And these are only a few times Jesus specifically mentioned prayer. In the various New Testament epistles, we learn that we may ask God for wisdom, James 1.5, for healing, James 5.14, and for boldness to share the gospel, Acts 4. In short, we are invited and urged to pray in any and every circumstance. Prayer is always an appropriate response to whatever we're facing. But guess what? This command to pray is not burdensome. It truly is a privilege. Prior to Jesus entering the scene, the Jewish people could only be reconciled to God through a system of sacrifices. They could only approach God's throne through an intermediary priest who would make atonement for their sins through the shedding of a spotless animal's blood. The narrative took a sharp turn when Jesus entered the story. With his death and resurrection, 
the curtain separating us from the most holy God was torn in two and Jesus himself became our high priest. Hebrews 7.27 describes it in this way. He, speaking of Jesus, has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his sins and then the, for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. And further, he is actively interceding for us. Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Romans 8.34 Just let that sink in. Jesus takes our half-baked, imperfect, stumbling prayers and perfects them in intercession on our behalf. That's pretty amazing. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Romans 8.26 And these verses should make our hearts beat a little bit faster. God has granted us the gift of approaching him in prayer, and these conversations with him affect real change in our circumstances. The Bible is replete with examples of people praying for physical healing, for deliverance from demons, for marriage partners, for the birth of children, for protection from enemies, for physical sustenance, for forgiveness, and for freedom from anxiety and depression. God works in the lives of his people, and many times it is a direct result of his people bringing their requests in prayer. As the old hymn reminds us, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So if prayer truly is a privilege and it holds power, why do so many of us struggle to maintain a consistent prayer habit? I think there are probably reasons as diverse as the women in this room, but there are some very common obstacles to which I think we can all relate. Many of us, myself included, do not completely understand how prayer works. We know that God is all-powerful and all-sovereign. We know that he ordains events and circumstances, and yet he is somehow moved to act through our prayers. On several occasions in scripture, God was intent on taking a specific action, but because of the petition of a man or woman, he changed courses. Exodus recounts God's wrath burning against the Israelites after they fashioned a golden calf to worship. In response, the Lord said to Moses, now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? And then hear this. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. 
And this is only one example of God listening and responding to the pleas of his people. Or how about Hannah, who poured out her heart before God with abandon? As a direct result of her petition to God and her faith that he could act on her behalf, the Lord enabled her to conceive a son. And there are countless examples in the Bible of God intervening in the lives of his people when they sought him in prayer. Another common obstacle to prayer is the fear that we may be praying against God's will. What if we annoy God with our persistence when his answer may be no? Or what if God answers in favor of our request and it puts into effect a series of negative, unanticipated consequences? Firstly, we do not have that kind of power. <laughs> we have already established that he is sovereign and we know that he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Romans 8.28 So we cannot manipulate him into taking actions that will not be for our good and for his glory. And secondly, he invites us to pray persistently. There is great freedom in knowing our Heavenly Father will never tire of our petitions. He delights to converse with his children. Jesus told the story of a widow who relentlessly sought justice from a judge. And it was because of the woman's unending persistence that the judge finally gave her the justice she pursued. Jesus told this parable to encourage his followers to pray and not lose heart. And this is the precedence all throughout both the New and Old Testaments. We are to boldly approach God with our requests. And there are many, many promises throughout Scripture that we may pray. We may pray for the salvation of loved ones because the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but his patience towards us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. We may pray for healing. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you will be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. James 5, 14 through 16. We may also pray for physical provisions. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 19. We may receive forgiveness of sin through prayers of confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. And the list goes on. If you're unsure how to begin a habit of prayer, I would recommend you just delve into scripture and begin praying God's promises. Many of us have become disillusioned at times because we have wrestled with the reality that God has not answered our prayers in the ways we would have wished. So what do we do with seemingly unanswered prayers? We must first choose to believe that God does indeed hear every prayer we utter. 
Six times in the scripture we read the phrase, I have heard your prayers. Not one word or thought escapes his notice. Further, he always answers our requests. Sometimes his answer is yes, and sometimes it's no, and other times it's wait. Some of us in this room may have been praying for months, years, or even decades for a seemingly good and God-honoring request only to be met with disappointment. When the answer doesn't come, we grow weary. We wonder how we can trust a good God if he doesn't bring healing or salvation to someone we love or fulfill a deep desire of our heart. And this is what, when we must simply trust that our all-knowing, all-loving Father, who fashioned every detail of our lives, knows what's best. Even Jesus' prayer was met with a no in the Garden of Gethsemane when he asked that the cup of sacrifice be taken from him. And the Apostle Paul also received a no when he asked that the thorn in his flesh be removed. But now, looking back from the perspective of eternity, I am certain that neither Jesus nor Paul would have wanted their prayers answered as they had requested. There is such comfort in trusting the God who knows the end from the beginning. And as Proverbs reminds us, many are the plans in the mind of a heart, in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 19.21 Another common hindrance to prayer, I hear myself and others saying, is I can't afford the time. But can you really afford not to pray? As I mentioned before, Jesus found it essential to get away from the crowds to connect with his Father in prayer. Having to cram a whole public ministry into three short years, Jesus could have easily played the I'm too busy card. But he didn't. Prayer was not a luxury, but a necessity as he faced temptation, difficult decisions, physical discomfort, sorrow, tenuous relationships, and the responsibility of preparing his disciples to continue the work that he began. For Jesus, praying was less of a spiritual discipline and more of an involuntary process, like breathing. He knew his ability to carry out his very life's mission was dependent on the intimate communion he shared with his Father through prayer. May we esteem prayer in that same way. I hope you're catching the vision of wanting to pray, prayer to be a bigger part of your life. So where do we start? Prayer is certainly one of the habits for spiritual growth, which implies it's not a tool best exercised once in a while. It takes practice. And if you haven't spent much time in prayer, it can seem very awkward and cumbersome. What do you say to the king of the universe, especially if he's all-knowing? Since we've defined prayer as simply having a conversation with God, we don't have to worry that all of our words are theologically sound and coherent. He just wants to hear from us. Just as a mom loves to hear her daughter tell about the mundane details of the day and what's going on in her heart, our Heavenly Father delights in our imperfect emotive talk. 
Nothing we say will shock him or embarrass him. He is close at hand to forgive us when we've done wrong, to receive our praises and thanksgiving for his many blessings, and to comfort us when we hardly can utter our crushing disappointments. So let's get really practical. I have found a couple of ways to incorporate more prayer into my life. I have decided to turn off the music and podcasts on my commute to work and dedicate that quiet time to prayer. Sometimes I pray in my mind, sometimes I pray out loud, and sometimes I even sing my prayers. In different seasons, I've made note cards of specific people I want to pray for and choose one person or family to pray for each day of the week. I've also spent times writing out my prayers and my thoughts just seem too jumbled. Now, a word of warning, it can be so discouraging when you start comparing your prayer life to that of another. We are all in different parts of our spiritual walk and God cares far less about how we compare to our neighbors and far more about spending consistent, intentional time with us. And as with all of the spiritual disciplines, our successes or our failures in these areas do not determine God's love for us. We can't possibly earn his favor because we prayed for an hour longer this week than last. We already have the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1.3 So our salvation is secure, but our intimacy with Christ can grow through prayer. What a privilege indeed. Though personal prayer time is wonderful, spending time in prayer with others is also a precious gift. A friend and I formed a small prayer group of ladies a little over six years ago. We were both women who were desirous of marriage and seeing year after year pass in the rearview mirror. As the two of us were praying over a meal one evening, an idea hatched. What if we each asked our friends who were in the same boat if they would like to get together to boldly pray for marriage? We named our fledgling group Hannah's Hope, after Hannah who boldly prayed to conceive a son. In the last six years, our little group has seen a number of women come and go but we have six to eight who regularly attend. Though we st still pray for marriage, our prayers have expanded to include struggles with aging parents, home ownership, strained relationships with family, and workplace dynamics. We always leave encouraged in our respective walks with God and challenged to seek Him in whatever season in which we find ourselves. And, we have gotten to attend the weddings of four in our group and welcomed four babies with one on the way. We have gotten to celebrate God answering prayers in very tangible ways through this group. So do you have any ladies with whom you might be able to start a little prayer group? It might seem daunting to begin, especially if praying out loud might be new to you, but I would encourage you to give it a try. You will be blessed for if even two or three are gathered, Jesus is in the midst. Matthew 18, 20. Can you think of two or three friends who might like to pray with you? Wouldn't it be wonderful if GCF were known as a church that fervently prays? 
On a very practical note, scheduling can be difficult when we're all so busy. In my prayer group, rather than committing to a certain day of the month, we all bring our calendars every time we meet and choose the next meeting time based on availability. That way, if someone is going to be out of town, we can adjust the schedule to accommodate her if possible. There is such encouragement and power to be accessed when we meet together to pray. Well, my time is running short. I could go on and on about prayer, as the Bible has so much to say on the subject. However, this is not designed to be an exhaustive study of prayer, but rather a taste to whet your appetite. God's will is for us all to flourish in his goodness, and it is his grace that allows us to talk to him as if we were talking to a friend. Tonight we've defined prayer as simply conversing with God. We've seen that prayer is an imperative, not a suggestion in scripture. We've looked at some of the common obstacles we encounter when trying to develop a prayer habit. And we found some practical ideas for incorporating more prayer into our daily lives. May prayer abound in our personal lives and the life of the church. We have been given the great privilege of boldly approaching the throne of God with our requests. And we know that he works through the prayers of his people in mighty, mighty ways. So I'd like to end by sharing the last verse of the hymn that I started with, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Blessed Savior, thou hast promised, thou wilt all our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to thee in earnest prayer. Soon in glory, bright and clouded, there will be no need for prayer. Rapture praise and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this time that we have as a group of ladies to get together, to worship you, to fellowship, to encourage each other. Lord, I thank you that you have given us this gift of prayer, that you made a way for the curtain between us and you to be torn in two, so we may boldly approach you in prayer. Lord, I pray that we will not become complacent with our current prayer lives, but Lord, that we will see the importance, that we will want to have a more intimate relationship with you, and that we will take the time and the effort to pray to you, Lord. And I do pray that GCF will be known as a church that prays. I thank you for all of the ladies here, and I pray great blessings on them. In Jesus' name, amen.